Hi, everybody. This is Tony Kahn, the producer and the director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. Today, I'd like to talk about walking. Great physical exercise, of course, but it's also great mental exercise. In my own life, I've solved some of my biggest problems simply by taking them and me for a walk. Get away from the desk, get away from the house, get away from work, and put a little oxygen in your blood. Give a little breathing room to your brain. And I suspect that walking is good not just for individuals, but for, for whole cultures. Some of my favorite cities in the world are walking cities like New York, London, Paris, New Delhi, maybe where you live, places where people take to their feet on a regular basis and rub shoulders on the street. Well, today's morning story is from a world-class walker, Caleb Smith. A while ago, he decided that he wanted to walk every street in Manhattan. I found out about him from his website after he'd finished the walk, and I asked him to come and pay us a call the next time he was in Boston. And I sat down in the studio here with us, and in today's story, which we took from that interview, he's going to tell us where that journey through every street in Manhattan took him. We call it One Foot in Front of the Other. To walk every single street in New York, that was the main point. All these different transitions from one neighborhood to the next. Here's a building that was built last year next to a building that's 150 years old. and Thousands and thousands of people over the years who have walked up those steps. There's a very old bowling green in, the, in lower Manhattan. And there's a fence around it that's 250 years old. It used to have these crowns that, that uh, represented the king on top. And after hearing the Declaration of Independence in July 1776, some zealous citizens sawed off the crowns off of the top of the fence. And you can go there today and feel the top of the fence. The saw marks are still there. Still there. I grew up in Albuquerque, and I would take really long walks, spreading out slowly from the park that was, that was in my local neighborhood, trying to learn where I lived. I remember Mom pulling off the side of the road to find a 50-foot strip of original blacktop from the old Route 66, you know, that the Grapes of Wrath trucks would have crossed. My father would go to... Um, visit battlefields and, and it didn't really matter if the battlefield had been turned into a Walmart parking lot or something like that. He would just, his imagination would just take over and he'd get this faraway look in his eyes and he'd say, you know, you can just picture the Confederate Army coming over the hill over there, you know, or something like that. I get that same far off look in my eyes. It makes your life connected with all those people and with all those events in history, that, that, that human drama. My grandfather's from Brooklyn and worked in the city. And um, uh, when he was uh, 14, he was, he was robbed of a lot of money. He was a messenger boy. He was delivering over a thousand dollars, and it was it was written up in the in all the newspapers. What he did that morning, where he withdrew the money, where he was robbed. 
almost all the buildings are, are gone. But there's, there's one building that's left. It's the police station on Elizabeth Street where they took him. A sergeant walked in and said, oh, you know, do you want to see the back? And, and uh, there was the office, and I'm sure it's where my grandfather sat. I'm sure that's where he was sitting that morning talking to the detective. The, the cops thought he stole the money. They smacked him in the, in the face, and he had bruises on his face. And uh, He was just a, a scared kid, you know. And he never made it past the eighth grade. And... Uh, to, to be in that spot just for a few minutes. Through the ozone haze, the Empire State. I'm very glad I did it. Glistening rose. And the river is glimmering softly wherever it goes. From all over the island, if you look up, you can see the Empire State Building. And you can see if you look up on the observation deck, these little pops of light. The tourists are up there taking flashes. Manhattan is a myth Rising in the mist Make a wish And then it's gone I, I love that. From all over the island, I've died. wherever I was, it was like this little beacon I'd see up there and I'd see those flashes. So the, so the last street was 33rd between Broadway and 5th. There was a group of my friends on the corner waiting for me and they cheered and Koreatown is right there and we, we stopped and had some toast and then I went up alone to the top of the Empire State Building and took pictures, took flashes and sent out my own flashes down to Manhattan. So, and that's how it ended. It doesn't look so big. Couldn't wait to get back down and walk around some more down there. One foot in front of the other that clears your mind. Never before has it been more beautiful Rising in the mist, make a wish, and then it's gone. That's today's uh, morning story, One Foot in Front of the Other, by Caleb Smith, with, oh, geez, just a wonderful musical assist from two of the lascivious biddies the darlings of the podcast world, independent band, Leanne Westover and uh, Deirdre Rodman. And I'm here in the studio with the one and only Gary Mott. Boy, that piece just, uh, it feels like New York. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's its almost a love story. You know, makes you want to get up out of your chair and, yeah. and go do it. It's also about the love of family, the way he brings up his mother and his father and the influence that they had and the way he looks at the world and the way he connects again with his grandfather and with the sadness of his experience. It's, it's like love is a force that reaches across all this time and all this distance and still keeps you together with somebody. That really moved me, I think, the most. I mean, New York, the center of the universe. The great walking cities to me are also very different from each other. In New York, you walk with everybody else, but there's this powerful stream that drives you along. In London, there are these little pockets in the corners of the sidewalk that make it almost like theater, where you can stop and you can watch and eavesdrop on a whole other culture. People from all over the world having their business out there on the street and other places. I'd love to hear from people what it's like to walk walk in their cities. And I bet you some of them are doing that right now while they're listening to this podcast. 
Speaking about New York, we got some email from New York, right? Yeah, sure. Got a great little note from Seema. I just wanted to let you know that I subscribe to the Morning Stories podcast from New York City, and I love it. We also heard from somebody who's just gotten into podcasting, and I love these letters because he kind of gave me a picture for how everybody's getting into podcasting in his or her own way, right? This is from uh, Karen, who lives in, is it Los Angeles? I think so. I just finished listening to Keto Robinson's story on my iPod. Mm-hmm. I'm in my mid-30s and have discovered I enjoy the freedom new technology has given me. I also work full-time and am not able to listen to streaming audio at my workstation. About a year ago, my husband gave me an iPod, and it's opened up my world to new things. Well, the iPod or the MP3 player is definitely something that family members give to each other. Sometimes very young people give it to their grandparents, and that's what gets them into podcasting. In this case, spouse gives it to his breathtakingly young wife, Karen. Uh, Got one from Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. Joyce is a teacher in Taiwan. All her students like to listen to morning stories. But listening without scripts is a little harder for them. I wonder if you can do audio scripting for your coming shows. You know, certainly if we can get a blog, that will be a a way that we can get uh, the scripts across. This isn't the first time that we've heard from someone who's used morning stories as a a teaching tool. Uh, A while ago, we heard from somebody who was using it to help people learn English as a second language because people's personal stories made it friendlier. It made it English more personal, something that would have let them finally express themselves. In fact, David LaValle, uh, a colleague of ours here at uh, GBH, he's one of the producers for the broadcast The World, tells us the story of of, uh, someone in a foreign country who'd also made a very powerful connection with uh, with the English in Harry Potter. That's right, Tony. She uh, She's a teenager who lives in Moldova with her mother. Her name is Sandra Lucian. Uh, she was 15 years old at the time of the story, and when I spoke to her, she's 16. And uh, she has a passion for Harry Potter. She's been reading them steadily ever since the books came out. When the most recent one came out, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, she was able to get a glance at a copy for a couple of days and read it quickly. Uh, a friend passed it along, but she decided that she wanted to add this book to now, her own personal... Le- is, it, is it easy to get in, in Moldova a copy of uh, Harry Potter? Hardly. Uh, apparently they cost the equivalent of 50 or $60, and that's a oh handsome God. sum, for certainly for a teenager, even for families in Moldova, which is one of the poorest countries in Europe, uh, between Hungary and Romania. Mm-hmm. So she came up with the idea of simply copying the book, copying it out by hand. And it, this this particular book is 607 pages long, so it took her all of a good month. In longhand. In longhand, in English, and her English is just taking shape as well. She used different colored pens, one color to copy the dialogue and one for the narration portion of the story. And uh, she used some five or six notebooks. She kept asking her mother to bring her notebooks back from work. Wow. It was something she could now add to her bookshelf and something that she could uh, share with her schoolmates where she goes to school in Romania. And I'll just add that, you know, listeners that heard this very touching interview have been generously offering to send their extra copies and their their own uh, copies, including the, the last in the series, When It Comes Out, along to Sandra in... Moldova. Never underestimate the power of a story, huh, Gare? And, and never underestimate the power of a helping hand. 
We certainly understand that every week when we turn to thank Ipswich, a leader in file transfer software, for their support for this podcast. You want to know more about them, check out their website, I-P-S-W-I-T-C-H. And of course, we got that email, that old-fashioned email, morningstories at wgbh.org. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back with another morning story next Friday. So see you then. Bye-bye. Do you think they had any idea The Dutch, when they stepped on her shore That a city would grow from a steeple And from that one city a world With ocean views Kills and mews the children play And the river is glimmering softly Manhattan is a myth Rising in the mist Make a wish and then it's good.